All right, good morning. Um, it is Sunday, Sunday, fun day once, once again. And it looks like we got the usual suspects here. J.M. Grassi, Interverse Podcast, Doug Roth, uh, Jacob Law, Daniel Stearns, Ryan Milliken, Ryan H., The Rebel Preacher. Welcome all. Welcome all once again. It is I, Marty Leeds, uh, teacher of the mysteries and preacher of the heart. You are listening to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, maybe you're watching it. Uh, we got a we got a great one for you today. This one uh, I've been really excited to do this for about two weeks now, and um, it's gonna be a good one. And today we're gonna be talking about Noah's Ark and the Dove of the Holy Ghost. That's what we'll be discussing today, and it promises to be a good one. I I promise after this, <clears throat> I mean the goal is anyway that. After watching this one, you will never view the Bible the same ever again. <laughs> that's that's the goal of today's today's uh, service today. So let's get right into it. Um, if you want to become a member, if you want to become part of the fellowship, part of the congregation here, you can stop on over to GnosticAcademy.org. That's GnosticAcademy.org. We are a church. We are an academy. We do a lot of learning. We do a lot of teaching. We do a lot of preaching. That's what we do over here. And you can support this. The best way to support this work is to become a member of the fellowship. GnosticAcademy.org. Five bucks a month, 14 quarterly, or 54 for the year. There's books, there's podcasts, there's music. There's all sorts of goodies for you to uh, <clears throat> bite down into. And there's so much there. Um, it's sort of like a, a like truther Netflix kind of a little bit. I mean, it's all pretty much my stuff. But um, yeah, there's so much. If you want to learn esoteric knowledge, if you want to learn the mysteries, if you want to start initiating yourself into these higher levels of, of wisdom, the site is a great place to start. Um, and so I highly recommend going over there. And I appreciate everybody that has sent donations or has signed up. I really appreciate it. I, I really do it. It means the world to me. It's what keeps this old train a chugging along. You know what I'm saying? So it's a beautiful morning. The sun is out. And I've got my knockoff Ray-Bans on. Uh, and we're going to do it. So let's start off with the prayer as we always do. To the Most High, I repent. I turn to fasting and prayer for your instruction, for inspiration and insight. I repent for the sin of confusion and all other effects that has bestowed onto me. I pray for equitable relief for my mistakes and confusion to be annulled, to be made whole once again. I pray to the Most High for all parties. Excuse me. I pray to the Most High not to keep a thing of what is cursed. I pray for all parties that they may work together in harmony without dishonor, embarrassment, or controversy. I pray, fast, and offer up to you, the Most High, my divine faith, as you have bestowed upon me all equitable measures. I shall continue to lay hands on the sick so that they may be healed. I shall take up serpents and cast out demons as the Holy Scriptures command. By my faith, I will be healed in your most high name, I pray. So I thought that was a good way to start off this this uh, service. Okay, once again, <clears throat> we're going to be talking. We're going to um, the last. Let's see. Uh, we're on episode eight. So we've this is we've done. I guess since we started at zero, we've done seven thus far. Eight episodes thus far. We're on. Um, this is the eighth one now. Ninth one now. Um, that's confusing, but I guess it is what it is. And we've been going uh, step by step through the chapters of Mark. So we did literally chapters one, two, three, four, five, six. A couple we did in a few parts, and we went through it line by line. We picked out the mathematics. We looked at the astronomy. We looked at the you know the biology, the the, the correlations that we can make, of course, to human anatomy. Okay, and we're going to do something similar today and talk about Noah's Ark and the dove 
of the Holy Ghost. Okay, and we will get back into Mark, by the way, because I definitely want to do seven and then we'll see from there. Um, coming up, we'll, we'll be talking about, I've already got a bunch listed next Sunday. We're going to be talking about what is Gnosticism? What is Gnosis? We will be going over that. We're going to be talking about the Ark, or excuse me, um, <clears throat> the solar bark and the sort of the sun god myth. We'll be talking about that. We're going to do compasses and square. Okay, we're going to talk about the compasses in the square, make astronomical correlations to that, explain you know what the, what those symbols actually mean. Um, lots and lots of stuff we'll be covering. Okay, uh, moving forward. So, but today we're going to be talking about the symbolism of Noah's Ark and the dove. Okay, so thank you all for joining me once again, and I promise this will be a this is a banger. <laughs> I showed this to Jennifer like the other week, and I think she just commented here. I showed this to my wife the other week and she was like, oh, oh wow. So, okay, so let's do it. So first, let's talk about the dove. <clears throat> what is the symbolism of the dove? We'll see where, um, as we see, it's going to be part of the Holy Trinity and we'll see that Noah on his big old ship sent out a dove and came back and that's when he could find essentially dry land and we'll cover all of that. So we have the dove being this bird, of course, and it's a, a fundamental part of, as we see, of Scripture, okay? And it represents the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, okay? And, of course, the dove uh, brings the olive branch, which the olive branch is always a symbol of peace, which the dove is the symbol of peace, used literally universally. It's pretty much understood as a symbol of peace. The dove is, of course, white. What is white? It's purity. It's, it's that sort of virgin purity, purification of the soul, pur purification of the mind. This is sort of, it represents in one sense baptism, right? Where you essentially, you know, in, in, in baptism, there's baptism by water, baptism by fire, of course. When you dunk a person under the water, it's like there's the symbolism of, oh, we're going to make you go underneath into the underworld, if you will, purify yourself, and then you're going to be raised again, okay? And so the dove is symbolic of this purification process, and... The dove is also a symbol of God's gifts, okay? So when you see this dove, <clears throat> it's a symbol of God granting you something, gifting you something. This is really what, this is what Kabbalah means. Kabbalah means to receive, okay? And we're going to talk about this next week when we talk about Gnosis. So what, exactly what divine revelations are, Gnosticism, that sort of thing. And the dove absolutely represents this whole phenomenon, actually, of where God, from on high, literally gifts you information. L literally, what, what, it, what it represents is God literally, come, you know, in, in this sense, coming down and granting you information, giving you wisdom, bringing you up from a lower state of consciousness and awareness and raising it up. And this is done literally, literally through God giving you something, okay? And this is what this ultimate, like, um, spiritual experiences, Gnostics, Gnosticism, Gnosis is really all about, okay? It's about like, hey, I'm searching, I'm seeking, I'm out there and I'm trying to figure out the world. I'm knocking and the, you know, the doors are opening for me and this is where God is gifting you something. Re you are receiving something and when this reception, this gift of God from on high is represented as a dove. Why? Okay, and we'll talk about this. And we'll see it in Scripture. <clears throat> this is all New Testament stuff here. And we'll go to the Old Testament, of course, because that's where, you know, Genesis, Noah's Ark, that whole bit is. But Matthew 10, 16 says this. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Wolves, be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Once again, peace, right? And straightway cometh out of the water. He saw the heavens opened 
and the spirit like a dove descending upon him, descending. The dove is coming from on high. Of course, it's a bird and it's coming down. It's descending into the human vessel, into the vessel of the human being. That's Mark 1.10, Mark, or excuse me, Luke 3.22. Ooh, 3.22 there. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove. Okay, so here's the Holy Ghost, and we'll talk about this in the representation of the Trinity. Holy Ghost descending like a dove into the human being in a bodily shape. Upon him, and a voice came from heaven. What's the voice? It's the word. The thunderous word of God. Oh, the light. And this voice said, Thou art my beloved Son, my beloved light. In thee, in you, I am well pleased. So this is God saying, Hey, I'm going to give you the dove. This Holy Ghost descending upon you in a bodily shape. Here it is, upon him. And the voice is going to come from that and say, Oh, right? The voice of God. And when this happens, I'm pleased with you. That's what it's saying. Luke, uh, excuse me, John 1, 3, 2 says, And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode in him. Abode, of course, means live. It means to, to house, right? That's right. Hit, hit that like button. Share this. Subscribe. The, you know, subscribe. Hit the like button. You know, shower the people with love is what I would say. Okay, so the dove represents the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. And it, it, it represents a gift. It rep represents descending knowledge from on high, descending into the human vessel. Okay, so now we see the Trinity, tons, countless pictures of the Holy Trinity. And of course, we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Father, the Son, and, you know, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? And, of course, the Father is this, you know, uh, figure of God. The Son, of course, is Jesus Christ. And the Holy Ghost is the dove. And countless illustrations will show this. Not only do we have it in Scripture, we have it, you know, uh, echoed in art, of course, right? And you can see all these here. There's some other really great ones there. There's, of course, Jesus Christ. He's got the disc, the light, to, to signify that he is illumined. He is he has reached salvation. That's what that that's what that signifies. He is no longer just a material being. He recognizes his inner spiritual being. So God is there, gifting, gifting the Holy Ghost, right? Which ultimately ultimately brings you to the Christ, brings you to the Christos. Another one, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. There's another one. Of course, look at this. I've, I've shown this before. I'm going to show this again here. Um, check this out. So this is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is a dove. And look what the Holy Ghost is doing. The dove is stretching its arm or its wings out, excuse me, across a circle to create the diameter of the circumference of that circle. It's literally, look at that. Look at the dove. This is symbolism, showing you geometry. That's saying, hey, and God's like, hey, look at he's holding his, his right arm out. He's like, hey, this is my gift to you. <laughs> look at how many, uh, there's like little uh, yods or little arrows or fire, little fire bits, if you will, around that circle. If you see, there's seven of them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Of course, seven in the septenary cipher. We're not going to cover literally any math today except what I'm going to tell you right now. Seven is S-E-V-E-N. That's 65551. It equals 22. And 22 divided by 7 equates to pi. It's, you know, it's 3.142. Common and widely used abbreviation approximation of pi. Of course, pi has to be abbreviated, has to be approximated due to its infinite nature. So there's your Father, Son, Holy Ghost. A dove forming pi, by the way. 
<laughs> so there's that. Okay, so here's another one, uh, the dove, okay? So what does the dove represent? Once again, it represents the Holy Ghost. Well, what does the Trinity represent, okay? So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost is, um, the Father is the Creator. Father, the future, the Creator, okay? So as we walk through time, as we, as we sail our vessel, the, once again, we are a spirit. We are a scintilla, a spark that is in a body, in a material body. And that body is floating in the seas of time. Okay, And as we float through time, past, present, and future, right, the Father is the thing that's coming towards us. It's the future. It's what's being created in front of us. And we have the Son, which is the present. It's the gift. It's the gift of the now. It's the preserver. Okay, It's that, what, as, as, uh, as that movie, uh, Waking Life, where they say it's the eternal wow that is happening right now. It's that eternal moment of the now, the oneness that's always here. Then we have the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost, which is the past, the destroyer. So we have, and we'll, we'll explain why the Holy Ghost is a destroyer. Father, future, creator, son, present, preserver. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, past, the destroyer. Past, present, and future, creative, preserver, destroyer, father, son, Holy Ghost. That is your trinity. Now, immediately people will have an issue with this because they see it and say, wait a second, why is the Holy Ghost? This is the, this is the Holy, blessed Ghost, this, you know, the Spirit, and this is descending upon human, a human being into aboding as a gift from God, aboding in the human vessel. And now you're telling me it's a, it's a destroyer, it's a, it's a destructive force. Huh? What? What are you saying? What is this? You know, is this some sort of, you know, crazy Gnostic approach? No, no, no. This is this is absolutely how the process of you coming to enlightenment works. Okay, the Creator, the Father. You go and knock, you go and ask, right? And you constantly do this through life, and you just constantly make that pursuit. I want to know God. I want to know the truth. I want to know the truth. I want to know it. Okay, and you and you're persistent in that, and you knock. God, the Creator, is going to open up to you. Okay, And what the Creator is going to do is going to gift you something that is ex extremely destructive. And this is a great thing because what that destructive force is, is destroying all of the preconceived notions, all of the biases, all of the faulty understandings, all the misconceptions and mis misinformation, <laughs> all of the nonsense, all of the BS that has been placed in your, in your mind throughout time. All of the all of the evil workings of the world that are that are convincing you of things, are propagandizing you, telling you lies, faults of history, blah 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 blah. All of the things have been placed upon you. All of these lies, and your pursuit of truth is to go and say, "I am going to find God." And when I do, you know what God is going to do? Destroy all of that. It's all the carnal. It's all the material. It's all the it, once again the faulty ideas that you had, stupid notions, head full of naivete and ignorance. God is going to come and baptize that and wash it all away and destroy all of it. In order to be reborn, you must die. In order to be reborn, you must die. Let me say it three times. In order to be reborn, you must die. So the gift that is the Holy Ghost, that is that dove that descends down, is death. And it's the death that we all yearn for. It's the death to say, I, I no longer want to follow that BS cosmology. I no longer want to live in the history of lies. I no longer want to believe in a bunch of, you know, BS and, and, and propaganda. And God is going to destroy all that. And in the destruction of that, in that gift, you will be reborn anew. You will be a new vessel. You will, you will think with, with a new mind. You will, you will express with a new heart. 
You'll see with new eyes. Okay? And that's what we seek. So the, the formula of the, the Holy Trinity is the Father, the future, the Creator, brings us the past. All of the stuff that we want to believe in the past. Destroy all of that stuff. And ultimately, what does that bring us to? The gift of the present that is Jesus Christ. The now. Okay? So once again, we yearn for that destruction. We yearn. We, we, we beg for it. We pray for that destructive force. Because once again, that destructive force leads us to our rebirth. Okay. So has everybody got the idea of the dove and what it absolutely represents? Okay. There's 33 liking Illuminati. 33 likes total Illuminati. So now we see in the story. So this is, that was all New Testament stuff that we looked at. We looked at Luke and Mark and Matthew, right? All these representations of the dove as this gift. Now we see the dove in the story of Noah's Ark. Now, everybody generally understands the story of Noah's Ark. We'll cover it here, talk about it a little bit, and then we'll, we'll revisit it at the end. But in one of the aspects of Noah's Ark, uh, the story of Noah, as we all know, he build, builds this big-ass boat, gets all the animals from all around the world to come two by two aboard the boat, and then, you know, and, and then there's 40 days, 40 nights, it rained, flooded, destroyed the earth, of course, and then he sends this raven and this dove out. And then the dove comes back and basically it's like, hey, now you can land essentially, right? Um, that's sort of the <clears throat> abridged version of that. But once again, the theme of the dove coming down and being like, hey, Noah, now you've reached safety. Now you've reached peace. Okay, this is what the symbolism of. That, that dove comes into the ark, comes into the ship, comes into the vessel, just like it does in the New Testament. It descends from on high enters into the ship. So, all those images of Noah and the dove. Now, Noah's Ark, it's the biblical, it's the, you know, it's obviously, it's the vessel in the Genesis flood narrative. And we'll read some of this. It's Genesis 6 through 9, which God spares Noah. So, God comes down in this uh, and destroys, um, sorry, I'm going to make sure I get back to this. Okay, good. Let's make sure. 89 watching. Hey, thank you very much. So God destroys the earth. And then, of course, there's this ushering in of a new age, a new eon, a new time period. This, the whole flood narrative of Genesis is to recognize, and I'll just say this briefly, that there's cycle, there's, um, it's cyclical destruction, rebuilding. There's cycles of destruction and rebirth. And we see this in our world. We can see and look back at the history that they lied to us about. And we're like, okay, well, that's all nonsense. And then we just look with our own two eyes and our own renewed mind and our own renewed heart. And we look at the world around us and be like, whoa, there was tons of civilizations here. This wasn't just some unexplored tract of land by a bunch of savage native, you know, Native Americans or whatever. But no, this, there was obviously people here. And then all of a sudden, now they're gone. And then before that, just as Genesis tells us, there were giants. Well, what? Giants, what the heck happened to all of them? I guess we don't know. Cycles, patterns of destruction, rebirth. Okay? That's exactly what happens in our solar in our solar year. Right now we're in the death of winter, and of course, it's we're coming back to re rebirth, re you know, uh, life beginning again new in spring, springing up. And of course, this white snow that's all around me blankets the earth, just as the you know, the dove and it's the water sinks into the earth and baptizes the earth, if you will. Okay? So this is cycles of destruction, rebirth, okay? 
So we hear, we hear this narrative, and then God spares Noah and his family, okay? Once again, vessel, ark, brings all the animals forth, and, um, and examples, uh, so his family and all the world animals from a world-engulfing deluge or flood, okay? And we'll read this here, okay? So um, once this is Genesis, I think this is 8, 17 to 20, and I behold... Uh, and behold, I, even I, this is God saying, yep, I'm going to, I'm going to come and destroy everything. People are like, God, he's just, God, he's just so maniacal and crazy. And what if he loves everything, why would he destroy things? Because that's what happens down here. Life and death, death and rebirth. And behold, I, even I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life. And from under heaven, from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee I will I establish my covenant. And the covenant with God is the agreement with God. That's what we have. It's an agreement with God. And that agreement is ultimately to follow his way, follow his laws. And how many do not follow those laws? And when at some point, when so many people do not follow the laws, God's like, I told you what to do. What is he going to do? Just as we see. It's going to destroy everything, rebuild anew. And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives and thee. And every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. Thy, they shall be, male and female, of fowls after their kind, and cattle after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort, shall come unto thee to keep them alive. Okay. So, what is Noah's ark here? Well, Noah's ark is... Well, actually, before we get into that, now, you know, people want to say that this is like some sort of like historic, that this is a history book, right? We're going to talk about this. And in viewing this as a history book, like, oh, this is what we're reading. There was actually a dude named Noah, had a couple sons, brought his wife aboard. God, you know, reigned for 40 days. And then he literally, literally, not literally, historically brought all these animals two by two aboard the boat, etc. right? And so you have people like, what's this guy's name? Ryan, Ron Wyatt, I guess his name, Ron Wyatt. And he goes out and he's like, I found Noah's Ark. It's in, you know, the mountains of Ararat or Iraq or whatever, right? And you'll see these people and people will get behind this. And of course, Daily Mail shares this because of course, Daily Mail, you know, just an A plus uh, journalism there, right? Has Noah's Ark been found? The Daily Mail asks, right? Perpetuating nonsense is essentially what they're doing. Archaeologists are 99% sure that they have found Noah's Ark. <laughs> okay, so now it isn't to say there, there are not flood myths. There are flood myths all over the world. So it isn't to say that there wasn't a flood or there haven't been floods or there haven't been cycles of destruction and, you know, recreation, if you will. There have been, okay? And we'll, we'll get into this. So flood myths all around the world. Ancient Near East, Mesopotamia, the Abrahamic religions, of course, China, Mesoamerica, South America, the Canary Islands, Inca, the, you know, the Tupi, I guess. Um, this is all just stuff sourced from Wikipedia, but you can find this all over. In fact, there was a guy I read at one point, he did his like thesis, like college thesis on this, that there was flood myths all over the world. Choctaw, the Ojibwe, the Menominee, Menominee, Menominee. The Hopi, um, the, the, the Anishinaabe, the Inuit, Irish, Cornish, right? So, and what this, so it's not like we don't have flood myths all over the world, but what the story of Noah is doing is actually 
it's um, trying to get you to understand cycles of destruction and recreation, but also to understand that these stories are cosmic stories, that they're written in the stars and therefore they're written within you. Okay? What the Bible is, is a living theology. Okay? And this comes from uh, my book, of course, plug time, my book, Lord Jesus Christ, which everyone should have a copy of this and get it on your bookshelf. Uh, 550 some pages exploring the um, mysteries through Christ. So, it says, what happens when one takes all of these stories like Noah's Ark at face value and assumes that their express purpose for, for being written was to record authentic factual accounts? Is that when, when we do this, is the timeless wisdom, wisdom that is beyond time, that's in, in eternal wisdom in, in other words, what happens when we take these stories at face value is that the timeless wisdom encrypted beneath their polyvalent layers is missed. The fact of the matter is, when forced to digest these stories as purely historical events, what we lose in the process is the greater mysteries beholden within them. Does this mean that we were to abandon any sense of historical in reading either the Old or New Testament? No, assuredly not. I'm not asserting that the Bible is merely myth or that the biblical stories have not been based on aspects of lived history, but rather that any effort to try to graft the stories of the Bible onto man-made history will forever be a work of folly. As any sincere researcher who has thoroughly investigated history assuredly recognizes and firmly understands, especially given our modern age, that there is no genuine version of events that we may agree to call history. There never has been nor ever will be an unbiased, impartial, and authentic recording of the collected events of humanity. As Napoleon has often been quoted saying, history is the set of lies agreed upon, and such a statement, regardless of who has said it, one should take to heart. There never will be a truly objective record of history, and we certainly cannot view the compendium of, 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 and repository of tales, myths, parables, and allegories of the Holy Bible as such. If honest with himself, no man may say with any confidence that he can provide abundant proofs for the historical legitimacy of any of the characters or figures in the good book. Moreover, the Bible itself announces resolutely that one is to prove all things, and what man can never do is prove with 100% certainty what has happened in the past? Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 And this is a quote from Alvin Boyd Kuhn. Okay, it says, It is the purpose of this present volume to set forth to the modern mind the extent of the wreckage which splendid ancient wisdom suffered at the hands of later incompetence. It, in, it revolves, excuse me, it involves... The reversal of that mental process which in the days of early Christianity operated to change myth and allegory in the first instance over to factual history. When we do this, this is what we end up with. People having no idea what these stories actually mean and going on crazy archaeological expo you know, explorations trying to find a literal, a physical, historical Noah's Ark. As third century ignorance converted mythical topology to objective history, the task is now, and this is what we're going to do today, we're going to change that history and we're going to revert it back to mythical topology. Okay? As third century ignorance converted mythical topology to objective history, the task is now to convert alleged objective history back to mythology and then interpret it as enlightened theology, as a living theology.
right here in the now, not something that existed 2,000 years ago, right here and now, and we're going to do that today. The almost insuperable, oh, excuse me, the almost insuperable difficulty of the project will consist in demonstrating to an uncomprehending world, mistaught for centuries, and now fixed in weird forms of fantastical belief, weird forms of fantastical belief, excuse me, that the sacred scriptures of the world, the Bible, these sacred scriptures of the world are a thousand times more precious as myths than as alleged history. These stories, when we read the Bible correctly, what he's saying is that when we understand that they're a living theology, that it's happening here and the now, it's happening within here and it's happening upstairs. When we understand that, the Bible stories and the, the power of the Bible is a thousand, ten thousand times more powerful and precious as myths than as alleged history. Because alleged history leads us into doing crazy nonsense like this. Seeking out Noah's Ark. So let's seek out Noah's Ark and what it actually means and let's do it in the sky. This is the constellation known as Argo Navis. And we've talked about this before, okay? Everybody following me still? Okay, thank you so much. So this is the constellation Argo Navis, and this is something we talked about before. We've, we've discussed this in several live streams. Argo Navis is a huge constellation, by the way, just as Noah's Ark is a very, very big boat. Noah, single-handedly, built this huge boat to carry all the animals two by two aboard this boat. What this boat is referencing is Argo Navis, okay? And, Ar, you know, Argo, this is from Jason and the Argonauts, but Argo Navis is actually three constellations, and it's, it's put together into one ship, okay? And you have the Pupus, the Carina, and the Vela. And we're going to talk about all three of these sections. So these are the sections of the boat. This is Argo Navis. Navis, of course, naval, sailing the seas, that sort of thing. And we, already, we already know above. What does Genesis tell us? Water up above, water below. Water above, water below. Water above the firmament, water below the firmament. We're in the ocean of the stars above. And we are sailing... In the ocean of time, the seas of time, the ebb and flow of time. So there's three aspects of the ship. There's the aft and the stern, which is called the pupus, and we'll go over every aspect of this. We have the sail, which is the vela, and we have the keel, which is the bottom portion of the ship, and that's called the carina. So we have the pupus, so we have the pupus, which is the aft of the stern, the sail, which is the vela, and the carina, which is the keel. Um, in modern times, Argo Navis was considered unwieldy due to its enormous size. Hydra is a huge constellation. Hydra is the largest modern constellation. And this constellation, this boat, is 28% larger than Hydra. So in other words, it's a really, really big boat. <laughs> okay. So, and, um, so it says, um, here... The let's see, there's three once again, three constellations uh, Carina, the keel, Poopy, Poopy, <laughs> Poopus, the poop deck or stern. We'll talk about this. The poop deck, Veil of the Sails. Okay, now the poop deck, the Poopus, uh, originating from the Latin term of the vessel's stern side, the astern. Okay, the, the, the back, the Poopus, the poop deck is located on the vessel's stern. The poop deck is basically used by the vessel's commanding superiors the captain, the commanding superiors, as an observation deck 
to observe the work and navigational proceedings. So the poop deck, the back of the ship, is the high point of the ship where all the navigators are. They're looking out to see, A, is everybody doing their job on the ship, as well as navigating through the seas of time. In naval architecture, a poop deck is a deck that forms the roof of a cabin. The roof, the top, the head of a cabin, built in the rear or aft part of the superstructure of the ship. So it's a superstructure of the ship. It's a roof. It's a cabin. It's where all the observation is done. Okay? Now, why is it called the poop deck? So the poop deck, um, this is the name originates from the French word for stern, le poupe, from the Latin pupus. Okay, so this is why, and then it says the, the poop deck is technically a stern deck in which the sailing ships was usually elevated as the roof of the stern after cabin, after the cabin, also known as the poop cabin. Okay, so it's, so there's, there's a reason why it's called the poop deck, because it comes from le poupe, and this is where we get the word poupus. Okay, so once again, these are the sections of the ship. There's the aft of the stern, and that's the constellation poupus. Now, this is actually where we get the term puppies. Okay. And you can even see here, uh, a puppy is a, a woman's small pet dog, a word of uncertain origin, but likely to be born from the French poupée. So we have the le poupée, which is the poop deck, and the French poupée, which is doll or toy. Okay, Little dog appears to have been called a puppy. Okay, So we have the poopus, the puppy. It's the, it's, this is where this comes from, so hence why it's called the poopus and the poop deck. Okay, So now we have, once again, let's go back to the sections of the ship. We have the keel. Okay, the keel is the underbelly of the ship, and that's called the carina. Okay, um, let's see if I have this here. There's the Argo Navis again. Okay, and the underbelly of the ship, the keel is the bottom most longitudinal structure element on a vessel. Laying down of the keel is the initial step in the construction of the ship. So once again, here's our section. So there's the keel, there's the crina, which is the underbelly of the ship. There's the aft of the stern. And the vela, of course, is just the ship. I mean, it's the sails, okay? Aft stern, the poop deck, the poopus, the crina, which is the keel, and the vela, which is the sails. And um, as far as I know, the, 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 the ship captains and the shipmates... They used to sing an old sea shanty aboard uh, Argo Navis. And it was, Karina uh, had a poopus head. Karina had a poopy head. Karina had a poopus head. Karina took a walk. Now Karina's dead. There's about four, wait, no, three people <laughs> that are going to get that joke. Anyway, so Karina, bottom of the ship, poopus, uh, the aft stern, the sail. Okay? Once again, there's the ship. There's the ship again. A big arc, a big boat. Huge constellation, literally at one point the biggest constellation when you can, can you know put all of these together. Now notice the poopies, the poopus deck, the poop deck, puppies is right next to Canis Major. Canis, of course, means the major dog. So it's almost as if the Canis Major is giving birth to the poopies, the puppies, the poop deck. Okay, and we'll see why Canis Major is so important in just a second. Um, once again, this Argo Navis is skimming along the river of the Milky Way. Argo drive from the ship Argo in Greek mythology, sailed by Jason and the Argonauts. The Ark sailing the river, the seas, the river of the Milky Way. The river of the Milky Way. There's there, And you can see this is the Milky Way right there. You can see it behind it. That's the river of stars. There it is again. Let's see? Now, this boat, this ark, this vessel represents you. You are the ark. Your human body is a vessel that is floating through the seas of time, the ever-flowing seas of time. 
Why is it ever flowing? Because past, present, and future are always moving. There's only that one still place, which is the eternal now that is happening, the eternal wow that is happening right now. You were in that vessel, sailing the seas of time. That's what this all represents symbolically. Of course, you have the four, you know, the four the, you know, of the vessel. You have the port. You have the starboard to your right. Um, if you ever want to know the left and right side of a ship, port has four letters. P-O-R-T, that's the left side, L-E-F-T, four letters. Starboard is the right side. The star is, of course, usually five stars, right? First geometric form you can make is a star. That is a, uh, excuse me, the first geometric star you can make would be the five-pointed star. And then, of course, you have the aft or the stern, okay? All of these are represented, number one, you bow, all right? So you bow forward, that's what you do. Your, your, um, your stern... Your, your sternum is right here. This is the piece that actually holds like to your ribs and your shoulders together, that sort of thing. Astern, which is what we're talking about, the poopus, the poop deck, the poopus. It's after the astern, the back of the deck, which is the, the head where the captain does his navigating observation. is built to, or the, the, towards the rear of the ship. But aster means star. So here you have, you know, the star astern, which is the poop deck the starboard, all referencing stars, okay? Now, so we can see that this Noah's Ark is the is literally Argo Navis, okay? Now, there's also this, um, and this will make sense when we get to the end of this. So the Argo Navis, this big ark, also is represented in, in tons of other mythologies, right? One of them is called the Boat of Osiris, and this is called the Neshmet, okay? So when you read... You know, the Egyptian myth, um, you, you basically hear of this character, Osiris, and he travels through this boat on the river of the Milky Way, right? There's Osiris, one of the chief gods or deities in the Egyptian pantheon, of course. And Neshmet is this bark, this ark, right? Literally called the bark, the solar bark. The Neshmet barker ark was a vessel belonging to the god Nun. The ancient Egyptian deity Osiris was transported in it on the river Nile. Okay? So he's on this river. So what this river, what the river is, is the river of the Milky Way. Okay? The flooding of the river is the Milky Way as it comes up on the horizon. So there's your Milky Way river. And as it, once again, as it, so you can see, as it comes up on that horizon, that's your flood. That's literally mythologically defined as a river, the river of the Milky Way. Argo Navis is sailing on that river, and then all of a sudden that that comes up. That whole, you know um, the turning of the, the the sphere of the heavens. Let's watch this again. The turning of the sphere of the heavens, and that's flooding. It's the rising of the waters. Does everybody get that? Okay. Once again, Argo Navis is on the river of the Milky Way. Okay. So let's read from Genesis. Does everybody get that? River of the Milky Way, the flood, it's all coming up. Argo Navis is on that river. Chapter 8, once again. Genesis 8, 6. And it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made after 40 days of the flooding. And he sent forth a raven which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Also he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, 
And she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. And he stayed yet other seven days, seven again, seven days, seven in codes pie. And again, he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came into him in the evening and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off, an olive branch, olive leaf, symbol of peace. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. The flood had had subsided. Subsided? Is that that what I want to say? Subsided. Um, And he stayed yet another seven days, 14 total, by the way, and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him anymore. And it came to pass in the 600th and first year, in the first month, the first day of the, the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked up, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. So that dove came, said, oh, now I'm going to give you this peace. Say, now it's time. Now you can go onto the earth. Now it's okay. Safety. Right? So we have Noah sending forth a raven and a dove. Now we already know that the boat is Argonavis. Okay? There's your boat, Argonavis. So when he sent forth the raven, this is a constellation. And this is the constellation Corvus, okay? And Corvus is a crow. Corvus constellation. Corvus is a small celestial constellation in the southern celestial hemisphere, which is exactly where Argo Navis is. There's the northern celestial hemisphere and the southern, right? And in that southern celestial hemisphere, Argo Navis. Corvus means crow in Latin, Okay? So Corvus is a crow is no different than a raven. Okay, so Genesis says up, he sent forth a raven, which went to and fro till the waters were dried up from off the earth. Okay, then he sent a dove. So there's our Corvus, our crow constellation. Then he sent forth a dove. And that's the constellation Columba. Columba is a faint constellation designated in the late 16th century. Its name is Latin for dove. And it's just south of Canis Major, which is where we are. Once again, remember, the poopus, Canis Major, was delivering the puppies, which is the poop deck of the ship. And right there is a dove, Columba. And this is the constellation Columba. There's Canis Major. You can see right there. You can even see there's the poop deck. There's the poopus right there, the puppies. Okay. And why is it called Columba? Uh, by the way, there's a whole, I, I didn't even want to get into this, but the, the figure of Columbia in American folklore, history, that sort of thing. That's a whole nother conversation right there based on this dove of peace, though. It's called the Columbidae, I think is how you say that, and it's a, a species, a genus of birds. It's a Columbidae is a bird family consisting of pigeons and doves. Okay, so this Columba constellation is literally a dove, and this Corvus constellation is literally a crow. Okay, so we have Columba, which is the dove, and Corvus, which is the crow. And so here we have the two birds that Noah in his big Argo Navis ship sent out to see if things were going to be okay. And what was the thing that brought him back, the, the message or the gift that was brought back that went into the ark to, said, the, the, to say, hey man, you can go on dry land now. It was the dove. It was Columba. Right? So what do we have going on here? So there's your flood of the Milky Way. And that is your river of stars. And there is, in, in blue there, you can see, that's your arc. That's your Argonavis. Literally, at the, I mean, the biggest constellation. When you combine those three into the big ship, the ark, the bark, Noah's ark, 
It's the biggest constellation. It's an enormous arc, and it's sailing the river of the Milky Way. And that orange there, that's the literally the flood, the Milky Way. That represents this flood here. So that ship is, oh, there it is, the milk, there it is, the Milky Way River, the flood coming up for four day, 40 days, 40 nights. And Argo Navis is on that river. And he sends forth Covis, or the Corvus, the crow. He sends forth Columba, the dove. So there's your flood, there's your ark to the right, right? Always sitting at the, you know, the right hand of the father, if you will. To the right is Columba, the dove, right by the ark. And to the left is the crow or the raven. And that's just to the left of the ark. So these stories, all of these stories are written right upstairs. It's a scripture in the stars. It's cosmic, eternal stories. Noah's ark didn't happen 2,000 years ago. Well, I guess it did because it's eternal. It happened 2,000 years ago and 2,001 year ago. It happened yesterday, it's happening right now, and it'll happen tomorrow. Okay? There's your ark, there's your dove, and there's your crow. So you don't have to go searching for, uh, <laughs> you don't have to go searching for Noah's ark. You don't have to make a trip to like the Mount Ararat or anything like that. You don't need to spend like thousands of dollars and go get like your booster shot so you can get into the country and stuff like that. You don't need to do that at all. You can sit on your ass right where you are right now and you can find Noah's Ark. So let's read on. Once again, this is 8, 17 to 20. And behold, I, even I, God says, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant. Here's an agreement. You're going to come down here. You're going to follow the golden rule. You're going to let that shine. You're going to let that light shine forth upon all men. And, and, and light that candle, which is going to light fires everywhere. That's what you're going to do. You're going to live in truth. You're going to live in, uh, you know, dignity, righteousness, care, compassion, love. Teach, that need, teach those who need to be taught. Bring your hand out and extend the hand out to the people that, need, that are down that need to be lifted up. Okay? That's the agreement. How many people don't follow that? How many people, how many people send, send doves out, but the dove never comes back? How many people don't even send doves out? But with thee will I establish my covenant, my agreement, that thou shalt come into the ark, thou, and thy sons, and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shall thou bring into the ark, to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, too, of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. So what is the two of every sort? Well, we got uh, two, two fowls after their kind, and that's, of course, the birds, uh, the Northern Cross, Cygnus and Aquila. Those are two birds in the skies, two constellations. So there's the fowls, uh, Aquila and Cygnus. And of course, we have a cattle of all sort. We have, of course, Taurus and, and Aries and Capricornus, which is, of course, the sea goat, we got a cattle of all sorts. You got a bull and a, and a, and a ram and a, and a sea goat. Two of every kind, of course, we have the snakes. We've got serpents, uh, serpents kaput, serpents cauda, which is the constellation serpents, the two aspect of that. And of course, we have Draco, Draco the dragon. 
which is another a serpent. So two serpents after its kind. Of course, we have we got to bring lions aboard the ark, the Argo Navis, and that's of course Leo, uh, Leo Major, if you will, and Leo Minor. There's two two lions that are aboard that ship, and we got to remember to bring the horses, the celestial horses we have to bring, which is of course Pegasus, which is a flying horse, and then of course we have Monoceros, which is Mono means one, and Seros means uh, horn, and that's your unicorn, one horn. So we've got the two celestial uh, horses. We've got Pegasus and Monoceros. Um, you're gonna you're gonna put aboard the Ark. Don't forget, we gotta we gotta remember we gotta bring the leopards and the lynx. So we gotta bring those two cats, if you will. We gotta throw them two of every sort aboard Argo Navis to um, withstand the flood. And don't forget the two fishes. We gotta bring two fishes, um, one that's going up, one that's going down, representing of course male and female. So we got to bring those two fishes, which is, of course, Pisces. And don't forget, there's got to be two bears that come aboard Argonavis, the Ark. we got to bring Ursa Major, and of course, we can't forget Ursa Minor, the two bears that we're going to bring aboard the Ark, which is, of course, in the sky, in the sky above, which is where all of these constellations are. And we can't forget Canis Major and Canis Minor, the two dogs. So we got to bring the, the dogs and we got to bring the bears and we got to bring the two fishes and we got to bring the, the leopards and the, the, the lynx and we got to bring the celestial horses and don't forget the lions. We got to bring the lions and the snakes and the, the lions, the tigers, the bears. Oh my. And of course, the, all the cattle and uh, the, the birds. And these are all the animals that were brought aboard uh, Argo Navis big arc in the sky now the dove the dove once again we have god god gifting this dove this symbol of peace this is the holy ghost coming into your vessel in the shape of a human right and the, the dove that's going to form a human aboding in your vessel into your ship that's sailing the seas of time and God is going to gift that to you from on high. <clears throat> Canis Major is a dog. It literally is, you know, in this sense, it's birthing the puppies, which is your poop deck. The poop deck, the poopus, is your head. Now, this has got to be some sort of cosmic joke by God because he's hilarious. That, in other words, your head is full of poopus. Your head is full. It's a poop deck. It's full of crap, and, you, and the dove is going to purify and wash away all that BS that you put in your head all those years. But Canis Major is a dog. The mirror of dog is God. Okay. Now that dog is giving birth to the puppies, which is literally your head. It's the head of the deck. It's the observation deck. That's what you're observing right here, right? It's your astern, your stars, head full of stars, if you will. The dog. Right under that dog, the mirror of dog is God, is the dove. And where is that dove landing? It's not landing in the Karina. Karina had a puppy head. It's not landing in the Karina because the Karina is the keel. It's the bottom of the ship. And it's not landing in the Vela because that's on the other side of the ship. Where is that dog, God, dropping the dove? It's dropping it into the pubis, into the roof, into the cabin, into the head of the human being. So where is that dove being dropped? Let's use this one. See that? God. 
the dog, the Canis Major dog, is dropping a dove into the head of the ship. It's a story written in the stars. Now, you say, well, a dog and God, can't, what, what is, what, what's going on here? This, why this is important is because Canis Major is, the head of Canis Major is the star Sirius. Okay? Sirius is clearly one of the most important stars in the sky. I mean, myth- mythologically, like, cosmo- you know, when you look at cosmologies across the world, Egypt being one of them, Sirius is a huge, and we'll talk about this, Sirius is a huge aspect of, of the Egyptian myth. So here you have that red there, of course. That's Sirius. That's your dog, Canis Major. Your dog, you're flipping your god, right? Mirror of dog is god. It's giving a, a dove into the roof, the head of the cabin, right? Sirius, this is in one symbolic manifestation, of course. Sirius is representing the all-seeing eye of God. Okay? It is the eye. It's, I mean, look at this. It is the eye of the dog, of God. There's the head. There's the eye. It's Sirius. That's dog slash God. By the way, dogs are, um, they love you unconditionally. By the way, if you want to see a great live stream I did called God is Dog, or Dog is God, one of the two, and it's on um, GnosticAcademy.org. Okay. Eye of the dog of God, birthing, sending down the dove into the poopus. And this is the all-seeing eye of God. The all-seeing eye is an important symbol of the supreme being borrowed by the Freemasons from nations of antiquity. People, people think that the all-seeing eye of God is like a Freemasonic symbol. It's not. No, Mason, masonry is literally just a compendium of symbols that are religious symbols, sacred symbols that have been used all over. The all-seeing eye of God is no different. Okay? Both the Hebrews and the Egyptians appear to have derived it. It's used from the natural inclination of figurative minds to select an organ as the symbol of the function which is, is intended peculiar to discharge. Basically, the all-seeing eyes, they use the eye because it's like, well, the eye sees all things, obviously. On the same principle, the open eye was selected as the symbol of watchfulness and the eye of God as the symbol of divine watchfulness and care of the universe. Of course, we have Psalms, what is it, 15, whatever, uh, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open, uh, up, open unto their cry. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. He's always awake. The eye is always open. Okay. The all-seeing eye of God, um, the Egyptians represented Osiris, their chief deity, by the symbol of an open eye. Osiris, Sirius, and placed this hieroglyph, um, placed this hieroglyphic of him in all of their temples. His symbolic name on the monuments was represented by the eye accompanying a throne to which was sometimes added an abbreviated figure of the God. Okay? The all-seeing eye uh, may be considered as a symbol of God manifesting manifested in his om- omnipresence. His guardian and preserving character. Okay? It's a symbol of the omnipotent, omnipresent deity is what it is. The all-seeing eye of God, um, when you look at this, Sirius, which is the head, the eye of the dog star, which is right by the Columba, which is the dove, right by the great ark. Okay? Sirius, the, the word Sirius literally tells you about the eye. And Sirius is, Sirius is Siri, which is iris backwards. 
iris backward. So the iris is, is uh, the iris in humans is the color typically, you know, brown, blue, or green area with the pupils, the pu the pupus. Wait, the the pupils, the pupus. The, okay. So the iris, and that's really what I, Sirius is. The Sirius is iris us. The I us I on us. That's what Sirius is. The eye of the dog star. Sirius in English gematria just happens to equal 33. <laughs> so why is Sirius, this eye on us, so important? Sirius as well known as the dog star because it's the chief star in the constellation Canis Major, the big dog. Right? Right below is the dove. The ancient Egyptians noticed that the heliacal rising of the star Sirius the brightest in the night sky would occur a short time before the annual flooding of the Nile. So here we have a, a something a, a something that happens on Earth. The actual flooding of the Nile was was um, what's the word um, pre pre whatever was uh, the Sirius was basically acknowledging that the you know the rising lyical rising of Sirius was acknowledging that the, the the Nile was going to flood. So something that was happening here on Earth right, is reflected above. And that's the flooding of the Nile and the flooding of the Milky Way. And once again, who was on that river Nile? But Osiris in his boat, in his ark. Osiris in the, on the river Nile, on the river of the Milky Way galaxy, riding his Argo Navis. Okay? So, there's your flooding of the Nile. Your flood. So, um, and of course, what, uh, what, what, is, what is this saying here? And Mr. Uh, Doctor, the wonderful Doctor Bear Lando. By the way, uh, I mentioned this last time. We we finally got to watch um, Terrain, and it's great. We saw uh, both parts of it, and I highly recommend going over to Alpha Vedic and uh, going going to show support for like Doctor Bailey, and Kaufman, and all all those guys. It was really great. So, Doctor Bear wants to say here that pineal male unified with pituitary female. Thine eye be single, absolutely, positively, Doctor. Absolutely. Representing the single eye. The all-seeing eye above. Within. And that's what all of this is, you know, this is showing. Okay? Thy eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. Now, what is this story ultimately representing? Your, you, through time, ultimately coming to salvation. Ultimately asking, opening yourself up to allow that dove to come into that ark and bring you the peace of salvation. It's really what it's all about. This is what earth, this is what you're here to do on earth. Earth has a purpose. And I'm going to be talking a lot more about this moving forward. Earth has a purpose. That's why it was built. God just didn't build this place. We're like, oh, that's just it. Your whole purpose on earth, let's go here, is, um, this is teleology. Teleology is the explanation of phenomenon in terms of the purpose they serve rather than the cause for which they arrive, okay? The doctrine, in, in a theological sense, 
It's the doctrine of design and purpose in the material world. Okay, so we know there's a creator. We know he created this place. We're saying, okay, well, if he created this place, he didn't just do it just randomly. He's like, ah, I'm just going to make earth. Eh, that's it. No, he, God must have a purpose. What did God build this earth for? Earth is a place where you are here to undergo your rites of passage, where that spirit, that scintilla, that spark, that divine light is put into a material body, which is temporary, which is passing, which is fleeting. And you're given this time here to undergo that process of returning home, to bring that light back home, back to source, to return to the oneness of, of God. Okay? We're in this place of uh, perceived, if you will, separation, perceived polarization. And we are to bring all of those things together and bring them back home to make, to, you know, put this light into this vessel and bring this vessel back home as a fully spiritual body. And that's why the dove comes down. Let's go back here. That's why the dove comes down and uh, Luke 3.22 and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape because now you are a shape, your body, full spirit, 100% spiritual vessel. And your that spiritual vessel is going to bring itself back home. Earth has a purpose and that is the purpose of earth. Okay? This is the greatest conspiracy you will ever hear of. This is this is the biggest conspiracy of all and all other conspiracies will fall under this category. And the conspiracy is this, that the people of this earth, these elite globalists, marxists, whatever, psychopaths, whatever, this is the information that they are keeping from you. That you have an extremely important purpose here. That earth is made expressly for this purpose. And that is that you are a spirit in a material body and that you are to bring that spirit, that light back home. And the people of this earth are going to do everything in their power, everything, every tool that they have in their little bag of tricks to keep you away from this knowledge. And this is why not only will you find um, zodiacal symbols on all, and I've done live streams on this and videos on this, de-occulting the audio, auto, excuse me, de-occulting the auto industry is a really good one, showing how all of these corporations use zodiacal symbols. Why? Because they understand that the story of you returning home is written in the stars above. It's crafted where no man can go and, you know, finagle it. And these, these corporations, these elite, these globalists, these corp, you know, all of this sort of stuff, they all know this and they flash it in front of you. Why do you think Apple, what I'm using right now, has an apple, a, 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 a bite from the apple? Because it's telling you about your purpose here. Now, they're not telling you about that, of course. They're just giving you a symbol to be like, this is what we know and we don't care if you know it. You're in a place. That's what that means. You've fallen. This is the Genesis story. You bit from the fruit. Now you're here. Now you got to get back home. You got to get back to paradise. The first Apple computer sold for $666.66. Is that what it was? Something like that? Huh. Siri, of course, is an actor. And isn't this is that voice recognition software? What do you think they're talking about? The eye? How many all-seeing eye of God symbols do you use in corporations? People assume, they look at these corporations, they're, like, they're using the all-seeing eye of God. That's a bad symbol. Uh-uh. No, it's not. Completely the opposite. It is a symbol directly referring to your spiritual quest and journey. This is why they wrap themselves up in it. 
This is why they use that stuff. They're in control, not in control, of course, but they are in um, command. They have access to spiritual knowledge. And that ultimately the, the greatest knowledge you can have is to understand your purpose here. Isn't that what we all seek? What's the meaning of life? Why did I come here? Why did God put you here? Why is there suffering? Ah. Serious satellite radio. <laughs> Satellites. So, this is, uh, this is what your purpose is. This is what our cosmology is all based on. The entirety of our cosmology, the genesis of earth itself, was brought forward. God made it for you. So that you can you can return home. And that zodiac, let's go to the zodiac. This is exactly what we're dealing with right here. All those animals, two by two, all bought they, literally, not literally, but you know, figuratively, if you will, but all these animals, two by four, two by two, excuse me, two by two, aboard the boat, sailed to the new eon, new age. This is the zodiac. This is our cosmology. It's a it's a literally a circle of animals. There's two arcs, by the way. There's an arc for this side of the circle and an arc for this side of the circle. When you make a compass, you circle it around, arc it around, right? It's a circle of little, it's a circle of little animals. It's a zodiac. It's a zoo, it's a zodiac. Dia means two, by the way, referencing two, by two. And so this is what the zodiac man is trying to tell you. The cosmology of you returning home is written in you. You're made of it. There's no separation. As above, so below. In earth as it is in heaven. In the earthen vessel. As it is in heaven. And this is why Jesus is always pointing up. Look. Hey guys, up there. It's in here. Hey, hey guys, up there. Up there. All that up there. The boat and the flood. And the animals two by two. And... And all the other things that we talked about before, the parable of the sower, John and James, all the disciples, it's all upstairs in the scripture of the stars and it's all written within you. All right. Guys, it's 10 08. That's a good place to stop. I want to thank you all for joining me today. I hope you all learned something. Um, you can head on over to Gnostic Revelation Mysteries. Gnostic Revelation Mysteries. And that is Brother Amor. And he just uploaded um, a, a video this morning. I only watched about like half of it. And it's called Greater Works, a Gnostic Collection. Basically just talking about Gnosticism once again. Gnostic Revelation Mysteries. Brother Amor, go over there and he will have a new uh, teaching for you. And we're going to be doing this every Sunday. I'm going to go and then he'll have one uploaded uh, either after me or, or you know before it. Same time, whatever. And so if you want even more revelations, more revealings, uh, more teaching, all that sort of stuff, teaching and preaching, Head on over to Gnostic Revelation Mysteries. That's Brother Amor, okay? Uh, also, I also just did the Higher Side Chats with um, Mr. Greg Carlwood. Greg is a good dude. I always got along with Greg really well. I hadn't been on his show for, I don't know, a couple years. Released the new book and uh, gotten really great response from uh, the interview. So I haven't listened to it because, you know, I get tired of listening to myself. So uh, if you get a chance, go on over to Higher Side Chats and show Greg some love, Okay. Um, I, I really appreciate that. Okay, let me get back here. Does everybody everybody uh, love it? Uh, Spicy Sarah. Spicy Sarah, you got my... Hey, Spicy Sarah, let me get at you here. You got my reference to if you were listening, right? Karina had a puppy head. Come on. 
I know you got it. Okay, that's going to do it. Quantum Epic subbed, yeah. So uh, thank you so much. Thank you for all. I want to make sure I didn't forget any super chats or anything like that. Let me just scroll back. Oh, small axe. Thank God for sending this guy. God, ah, God, it's all God, right? All glory to God. Thank you, small axe. I appreciate you very much. I appreciate the support. If you do want to support the work, once again, head on over to NasticAcademy.org and you can become a member for five bucks a month, 14 quarter leader, 54 for the gear. Okay, once again, the best way to support, you can donate through there, you can buy books, you can read the books online if you remember. Once again, documentaries, music, podcasts, all that sort of stuff. Next week, we will be doing uh, what is Gnosticism. That's what we will be covering next week. Um, once again, uh, things on the list. Um, what is Gnosticism will be next week. We're going to do Mark chapter uh, 7. I'm going to get back to that. We're going to do the solar bark. We're going to do compasses and square. We're going to do um, something called like uh, transcendentals or it's going to be called like teach your children well or something like that. Something along those lines. Basically explaining basics about like, hey, when you bring a child into this earth, teach them these things. I'm going to give you things that are irrefutable, that no one can even deny, okay? That are 100% provable truths that you can tell your child, okay? So that they will not they will not be lost, that they will be able to navigate their Argo Navis with, with uh, divine knowledge, with divine truths, okay? And so that's what um, something we'll be covering because that's really important. So, uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for today. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, next, actually, I think probably maybe Tuesday, I'm actually, I think I'm going to do a live stream called uh, Introduction to Diagalon, which, which will be fun, um, kind of off uh, spirituality for a bit, but uh, it's just something I want to cover because I got some friends that have uh, seen some communism happening up in old uh, great state of Canada up there, so I want to support them. So uh, I think I'm going to be doing that hopefully Tuesday. Like I said, next Sunday we'll talk about Gnosticism. And that's going to do it for me, guys. Um, may you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. All right, once again, thank you all for joining me. Um, GnosticAcademy.org, stopping over, support the work, okay? it's going to do it. As always, many blessings and much love to all. <laughs>